Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. Welcome back to all of you who are regular listeners. I'm glad you're here. And if you're new, this is the podcast where we talk about building a better kind of online business. I started my own business out back in the late 1990s, and so I've had plenty of time to experiment with many different types of business models, selling products, selling services, building an agency, transforming into more of a solopreneur-styled business like I have today. And on this podcast, I like to share my insights, my experiences, along with some warnings, things to do, things uh, to definitely not do. And uh, before we continue, I just want to say quickly that this episode today is sponsored by two of my very own marketing resources. The first is called the Digital Strategist Newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. This is my monthly newsletter that I release at the end of every month around the 23rd or the 24th. Again, it's absolutely free. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. And it's designed to give you some insights that can help you think through your own marketing strategies and options. So if you haven't done so already, head over to jimsnewsletter.com and you can sign up and start reading the back issues there today. Also, if you're struggling to build a complete marketing and sales system for your business, that's what the one-to-many system is designed for. This is a program designed to remove all of the guesswork and confusion that troubles so many people who have basically a partial marketing system, a partial sales system. They have a bunch of things duct taped together to trying to build a successful online business. This takes care of all of that. You'll learn the complete framework, and once you do, you can apply it to all of your future projects client projects, and you'll be able to see how all of the pieces fit together. That's available at one-to-many-system.com. So if you haven't already, go ahead and check that out. Today, I want to share with you what I think is some really solid business advice. If you're a solo entrepreneur, as most of you are, I think that, well, if I go back to my own beginnings, I realize that every business type or every business model came with its own set of challenges. And I tried just about everything else that came down my way as I was in the process of building a digital agency business. I started out building a digital agency because it made the most sense for what I was doing. I was focusing on things like uh, website development, email marketing services, marketing services in general, including things like publicity. And that was the kind of business that ticked a lot of boxes for me. In other words, I had the recurring income People needed services such as web hosting and monthly updates for their website and all those kinds of things that go along with that kind of business. And so that's the kind of business I built initially. But then over time, I began to see other business models and they held they definitely held some appeal to me. And so I decided to experiment with things like ebook publishing. And this was before there were Kindle books. And then again, when there were and then membership sites and all of those other types of businesses, just about everything with the exception of e-commerce. That was one of those things that I waited probably about three or four years ago to jump into. And I had 
a significant investment in that. Lori and I decided we were going to do it together. And then we decided to kind of cut our losses at the last minute because there were things happening within Amazon at the time that we really didn't care for. And that was the foundation of that kind of e-commerce business that we had started. So we kind of aborted that project, but I've been at this for a long time. So I've had plenty of time, plenty of years to see what was a good fit and what wasn't. Now, somebody may say, well, what if you just focused on one thing and not spread yourself out like that? I don't have to say that I wouldn't have been happy had I just focused on one thing. Would I have made more money? Well, probably, but I'm happy with the money that I did make. And But I'm even more happy because I, I was able to see for myself what would happen if. You know the what ifs? I've heard this for so many years, but I think the first time that I heard it when I was in my teens, it really stuck with me that most people, when they're older and they get to the end of their lives, the things that they regret the most are the things that they didn't try, the things that they didn't do. And so when it came to the world of business, my interests were wide and they were varied, especially when it came to online business as things played out from the mid to the late 90s. And so I decided that I would try everything I could get my hands on to see what it was really like on the inside. You know, a lot of things look kind of cool when you're on the outside looking in, but then when you actually get involved in whatever it is that is, you begin to learn things that you wouldn't have otherwise learned had you not taken that step to get involved. And so I learned from practical hands-on experience that every business type or every business model comes with its own set of challenges. If you employ a team of people, you'll face one set of challenges. If you're by yourself or you're outsourcing, you'll face a different set of challenges. In many ways, challenges are just part of the growth process. And that's what everyone's looking for. They're looking for growth. And so as a fellow entrepreneur, I completely understand the challenges that come with running your business, let's say, on your own. Because I started out back in the digital agency world of the late 1990s. I guess you could say I was a first generation agency owner. And eventually, I brought help on board. Finding the right people wasn't easy. And in my opinion, it's even harder today. That's because the good people, they only want to be with you for a limited amount of time because they're setting their visions higher and farther, probably even than, than you are. And the ability to do things on their own, by themselves, or to be their own boss, there's an obvious draw to that. Now, not everyone's like that way, but a lot of people are. Now, eventually, I decided to shift my focus to building my personal brand, and it wasn't long before I began to appreciate the benefits that came with flying solo. And it's not that you know I don't outsource from time to time or have go-to people there when I need them. It's simply a matter of not maybe wanting to or putting myself in a position where I didn't have to unless I really wanted to. And today I'd like to share some thoughts and insights into navigating this world of being a solo entrepreneur. And I also like to talk about how, I guess you could say personal development for better lack of um, a label or a phrase that I can come up with right now, how that part of it is also closely tied to achieving success and fulfillment as a solo entrepreneur. Because while business advice is definitely important, it definitely has its place, there's also a human element there 
to recognize the need to, as an individual, grow in wisdom. I guess that would be a good way to put it. And to gain insights as you mature as a person. And by taking that path, or at least becoming aware of it, you can learn to become a better leader. You'll learn how to make better decisions. And you'll just be a healthier person all around, mentally, physically, socially, in your relationships, and of course, in your business. So now you already understand that as a solo entrepreneur, a marketing strategy is a must. And it can be a simple one. It doesn't have to be anything confusing. As you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, I like to simplify things. Simple works. The simple things are the things that we stick with and we improve with over time. By simple meaning a limited number of moving parts. Not that the topic has to be like simple for simple-minded people. I'm talking about that we can focus on just a handful of things and not only be decent at doing them, but maybe be above average at our ability to do certain things. And so I also realized that, especially when you're starting out or if you don't have a big audience or a big customer or client list yet, you have limited resources to work with. And during that time, it can be challenging, that time between you know, you're getting better at what it is that you do, more and more people are becoming aware of you, but you still don't have the income that you need. It can be challenging to find effective strategies that will help you reach your target audience with consistency. So I want to talk about some of these marketing strategies, approaches, business strategies that uh, you can implement. I want to start out with the most obvious one, and that is the topic of building your online presence. Because it goes without saying that a strong online presence is going to be critical to your business in the future. Not only is it critical to your business now, but it's going to be critical to your business three months from now, six months from now, five years from now. It's especially true, though, if you're just starting out or if you're changing directions. Now, after you're established, I have to say this, you can cut corners. You can, you really can if you have an established customer base. Now, we're talking about marketing right now. We're not talking about cutting corners with customer support or in your relationships or doing stupid things with your money. I'm talking about the process of marketing an online presence. Now, I'm not saying that you should cut corners. I'm just saying that it's extra important that if you're not there yet or you're just starting out, you're somewhere in that area, that what you need is a professional-looking website, one that's going to showcase your services. Now, it doesn't have to be like an award-winning design, but it has to look professional-looking. The, anti the opposite of that would be an amateurish-looking website with horrible colors, horrible combinations of type fonts, the size is all wrong, difficult to navigate. You understand the difference between a professional-looking website and an amateurish-looking website. Okay, so you want to be able to showcase your services, products. You want to have uh, feature testimonials from satisfied clients. Hopefully you have at least one or two that will be willing to give you a testimonial. And you want some kind of clear-cut call to action. Now also from there, you know, you're considering the setting up of social media accounts, platforms on platforms that target your uh, ideal audience, I guess you'd call them. 
I mean, there's so many labels out there. Sometimes I'm tempted to use one instead of another, but it's all basically talking about the same thing. The type of people that will benefit the most from your products and services, your audience, they frequent certain types of platforms, social media-wise, more than they do others. Sometimes it's not quite obvious where you'll find them, and so you have to experiment a little bit. Now, most marketers will encourage you to share valuable content on social media, engage with your followers, and promote your services through all of the social networks. Facebook, Instagram, today, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. You understand what I'm talking about. This has been standard advice for over a decade now, but over the past few years, Things have changed for a lot of people in the marketing game because they're reporting that they're no longer getting the same kind of return that was commonplace in the past. In the past, people would literally hang out on their social platform for a large number of hours each and every week. People used to hang out on Facebook all day long. As a matter of fact, they would be restless if there weren't ongoing conversations happening throughout the day. And being that you're sitting in front of, if you're an online entrepreneur, you're sitting in front of a monitor all day anyway, or even if you're on the go, you have your device with you. And so people would check in and out of these various platforms, Facebook, Twitter, have these conversations going. Someone would start early in the morning and they would go on and on. I'm not saying like nonstop, but they would be active conversations that would go throughout an entire day and through different time zones. And that was the norm. It's not so much the norm, though, anymore. Things have changed for many marketers. They're not getting the same kind of return that was commonplace in the past. If you're not a business owner or a creator of some kind, the draw of spending a significant amount of time on these platforms isn't what it used to be. So where does that leave us? Well, I think it depends on your business and on your audience. But the general rule of thumb today is go where your customers are. Even if they aren't as active on these platforms as they used to be, if they're on Facebook, then create a simple Facebook strategy and you start with that. If they're on YouTube, then create content for them over there. See how people respond and adjust accordingly. But the idea of being everywhere on all of these platforms and being active on it, it's not sustainable over the long term. And if you're not at least engaging a little bit, when people are trying to engage with you, then they'll quickly lose interest, those people will at least, and then they'll move on to something else. And then what you have is basically an organic advertisement in which you're talking at people instead of talking with them. And that's what social media was originally designed to do. It would enable us, people from all parts of the world, to talk with one another, and that's what it made that those platforms so powerful, especially in the early years. And also you may consider trying some of the new platforms out because you never know. You may catch an early wave and it may hit big. You just don't know. So focusing on building out your online presence, of course, great advice. That's not going to change anytime for the foreseeable future. Let's talk a little bit about another element to add to that, and that's networking with other entrepreneurs. Networking with other entrepreneurs in your industry and even in other industries can lead to valuable connections, valuable collaborations, insights into different industry trends. And this is something that I've done 
for my entire business career. In my opinion, networking should be an enjoyable investment of your time. I know many people enjoy attending industry conferences. Others prefer networking on a local basis where they can really get to meet people, you know, see them face to face. If you prefer, there's plenty of online communities. And with this, you can reach out and connect with other entrepreneurs. And meeting and connecting with others is just another way to improve that whole work-life balance kind of thing. Personally, I also find that it's much more enjoyable if you go without an agenda. Probably nobody will suggest that you do this. It's something that I did because I was just naturally comfortable with it. But of course I know I want to grow my business and I want to meet people where I could benefit them and they can benefit me. All of those things are a given. But I find that if I put all of those things to the side and just go there to meet people, to enjoy uh, their company, hearing their stories for the first time, and just going to enjoy that overall experience, that a lot of good things can happen without you having to plan each and everything out. Sometimes just being in good company can be a game changer for your business and for your life. It can create opportunities that may have not otherwise been presented to you or even possible for you if you had to push for them. So we have building a website, we have networking, those two things. Let me let me bring email into the mix here. Because email marketing is one of those things that's been around for so long. So much has been written about it, talked about it. Um, email marketing is always going to be a powerful tool for connecting with others. But so many people do it wrong. And I mean that from the utmost place of sincerity. I'm not trying to come across talking about email like I'm the end-all be-all when it comes to this topic. I want to talk about it right now like you and I would talk about it if we were sitting down having a cup of coffee together or tea maybe or a beer. <laughs> Let's be honest. Do you enjoy or look forward to most of the emails that find their way to your inbox today? Isn't it most of the time somebody's just talking at you or just trying to get you to buy something or hyping something that just seems ridiculous? Isn't that what your experience is in the inbox more often than not? And as a business owner, do you really want to come across like that in your emails that you're sending out to everybody else? And maybe you don't really think about it, but when we, with that introduction that I just gave, then hopefully it gives you pause to think about it for a little bit. You know, you can build relationships, you can keep in touch with your market, and the easiest way I found to do this, and I'm not aggressive with it, nor do I want to be, is by creating a monthly newsletter. And this is where I get to share some insights and some simple tips with my subscribers. You know, oftentimes, individuals create email lists by providing a free resource or downloadable materials of some kind to attract subscribers. But then immediately afterward, they send these ongoing promotional offers. And... You know, we see this happen time and time again. I'm sure you've been on the receiving end of plenty of these kinds of email sequences. And although the method is acceptable, I think that people have become so accustomed to it. Many times after they get that initial download, they mentally disconnect. They're not engaging with the follow-up offers 
because they can see by a quick glance that most of these are just upsells or offer different types of offers. And again, it's understandable people are trying to build a business, but if you look at marketing as a topic, then you have to look at it from both sides, from both the sending of the material and the receiving of the materials. And being on the receiving end, as we all are, we have to ask ourselves the question, is this the kind of method that we want to use for list building? In other words, and again, I'm not specifically focusing on the fact that you shouldn't offer a download, have people subscribe to your list and follow up. I'm talking about the way this particular method is used by pumping offer after offer after offer to people on the list that even if someone isn't doing to you, the perception there is they're in that camp that makes sense or not and then you get labeled as just another marketer so that was one of the things that I wanted to avoid and by creating a newsletter even that word your expectations are a little bit different about what's coming your way as opposed to when you download something and then you get this natural email follow-up and you can use a follow-up too, an automated follow-up with newsletters I just preferred keeping things simple creating a simple newsletter talking about the topics that I felt would have uh, the most value or at least some value. Every once in a while, you're gonna have a month, whether you're creating newsletters or any other type of content, where for whatever reason, maybe you're not at the top of your game or you don't have the most exciting things to share. I think that's just part of being human, part of business. And part of that may be the mindset of the people on the receiving end. It may have nothing to do with you, but okay, so there, that's out there. But you know, I've subscribed to lists in the past, as you have, looking for a free resource and then getting bombed with offer after offer after offer. And I think that that method is going to become like any method that's used by the majority of the people. The people on the receiving end become deadened to it because their expectations of what it is are have already they're already there. They're already in place. It's kind of like it's written in stone in their own minds. Conversely, have you ever subscribed to a list, downloaded something, and then you never receive any communication from that person again? Yeah, I have too. And if you put yourself in that person's shoes, maybe they've thought about all the things that I just mentioned. They don't want to be that person. Unfortunately, they can't figure out what should I say to these people? How do I email them consistently when I really don't have anything to say? In my opinion, Having a newsletter is sort of the happy medium between the two. And if you run an ad or two in a newsletter, I don't think anybody's going to you know, be surprised by that. I don't think it's a big deal. If you don't have any ads in the newsletter, that's fine too. The purpose overall is to provide value. Then when you have something worth selling, something that is going to be of value to your readers or subscribers, then I think from that point on, they the appreciation is already there so you know some people have said well who's going to want to sign up for another newsletter if they see that you have a newsletter and i think the simple answer to that question is the people who value your take on whatever topic you're writing about those are the people who will value your newsletter now a few thoughts on moving on a few thoughts on paid advertising paid advertising of course you're just one person it can be costly but it can also be an effective way to reach a larger audience faster. If you want to reach the bigger numbers and you want to reach them quickly, then take out your credit card. You may want to consider running or testing ads on social media, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, or a Google AdWords campaign. 
to promote a product or service that you know is a winner if your budget allows it. At the very, very least, you're going to learn how these systems work. And as an entrepreneur, how can that be a bad thing? So use the targeting options that are available to you on these different platforms to ensure that your ads are reaching your desired audience. And then you just go ahead and you track your results very carefully. I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm not a huge fan of paid advertising. I don't feel bad about saying it. That said, I don't want to be known as the guy that tells anyone that they should never invest in paid advertising. I don't have that approach either because like anything else, I have my own personal experiences with these things. And over time, I just prefer the an SEO focused approach where I'm writing about or creating content around the things that people find interesting in my marketplace. So I, I think you need to test these platforms out as far as advertising goes for yourself. Advertising again on Facebook or advertising on TikTok or advertising on YouTube. Experience what it's like for yourself. Learn about it. Maybe it's not for you right now, but maybe down the road a bit, you'll suddenly come to the point where you realize that, hey, YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or wherever, LinkedIn is going to be perfect for this kind of campaign that you're about to run. Let's talk about referrals and money before I run out of time. I know these are the basics, but sometimes getting back to the basics is exactly what you need to be able to turn the corner and head in a better direction. When it comes to referrals, nothing beats referrals. Word of mouth referrals are one of the most effective ways to attract new clients. And most of my own best clients have come through referrals. Now, if you want, you can encourage your current clients to refer friends, business associates, family members, if they fit the profile of who you help, who you serve. You can offer incentives. You can also set up a formal referral program where your clients will be rewarded for their referrals. I tried doing that about a decade ago. It really didn't inspire them to refer any more or any less than they were already doing. So what I basically do today is for a lot of my clients, I give them what I call the $100 handshake. It's my way of saying thank you for referring someone. I don't advertise that I do this, so it comes as an unexpected gift. They really appreciate it, and then I find that they refer even more as opposed to setting up a formal program. I know a formal referral program will work for certain people. So I just wanted to give you both as an option to think about as long as we're talking about referrals. Now, word of mouth marketing can take many different forms. It could be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It could take the form of a social media post, customer reviews. Like I said, informal conversations, I think those work the best, but that's just my opinion. But overall, it really is a highly effective marketing tool because people are more likely to trust the opinions and experiences of others that they know and respect rather than just through a paid advertisement or another form of paid promotion. Okay, money. When it comes to money, most entrepreneurs, and let me follow through on this thought, most entrepreneurs, I believe, see their income as a reflection of their ability or their success, especially men. And it took time for me to realize this, but if you've been in business for a while, it's most likely your income a reflection of your client's success or your customer's success. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Let's say you've been in business for several years. You know what you're doing. You could be making two to five times 
what you're currently making doing the exact same work in the exact same amount of time just by changing who you're working with. In other words, if you switch to working with highly successful people who are in an industry where high markups are the norm, and there are more of these than people realize, it's just something to think about rather than look at who you're working with. And, you know, if you work for people that have a little bit left over after paying their bills every month, and that's no reflection on that person, because everyone, unless you're born into wealth, knows what it's like to struggle or wonder how you're going to make ends meet. People have crises that unfold, unforeseen things happen and affects your income. So money in and of itself isn't a reflection on someone's worth or value. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that, especially when we're looking at ourselves. But if you're working for people who are in that position, then your income is going to reflect that. But if you work for, again, industries that have high markups and high profit margins, they'll probably pay most of you double of what you're currently charging and not blink an eye. The key to getting in the door a lot of times is, number one, to be reliable, and number two, so you get referred. A lot of these big companies, they don't respond to cold calling very kindly. I learned that when I tested that out for myself when I was 20 years old. I got in my car. I drove over into an industrial park where there were a lot of companies. I was selling something via direct mail at the time, but I wanted to see if I could sell it in person. And I went into company after company after company and was shut down repeatedly. And then several hours later, I'm back in my car thinking, wow, what a waste of time that was. You know, that old saying that it's not what you know, but it's who you know. It does make a lot of sense because we see that in play everywhere. And, you know, just because you don't know the right people now doesn't mean that you won't meet the right people, meaning the people that can open doors for you that you on your own will never be able to open simply because they're in a position of authority that you're not in. Everyone, I don't care if they're worth a million dollars or $10 million, all of these successful people are always looking for reliable help to do business with people that they can trust because at the end of the day, I hate to say it, but there's really not a whole lot of people like that out there especially today. And so if you, like many of us had to do, pay the price early on, probably undercharge or undervalue the service that we provide it. I've done that myself, and but you're reliable and you work like you're being paid twice of what you're actually charging your clients for. You're reliable, your reputation will grow, and then you can take a step out, take a leap of faith and begin to offer your services to maybe a different kind of industry or seek out a different kind of customer or client, somebody that has the means to be able to do things with you and for you that you're not going to get by just doing business with people who are barely getting by. And again, that's no reflection on any individuals, whether they're making a little money or a lot of money or somewhere in between. It's just the reality of business. It's just how the math works. Let's talk a little bit about, I have a few minutes left, managing your money. Because most solo entrepreneurs are lousy at managing their money until they get to a point where they're forced to do something about it. I say that because 
I know I was one of them. I was one of many. So I'm speaking from experience. If I wanted something I couldn't afford, I'd usually buy it anyway. I just put it on the credit card and I would tell myself that this is just an investment. And then a year down the line, I would have all these quote unquote investments that I wasn't even using that I bought just on a whim. And and the problem with buying on time and having a high balance on your credit card is you're borrowing money from the future before the future gets here. That's what credit is. So when the future finally becomes today, all your money is already gone. Money disappears quickly from the present because you spent it foolishly in the past. So as a solo entrepreneur, it's really important to have a solid financial plan in place and not fly by the seat of your pants like many of us did in the past because that will help ensure success and longevity in your business. All right, I think that's about all for today. We'll call it a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them and share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else you happen to be. Or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. As always, I really appreciate your sharing of this podcast as a whole or a specific episode link. It really helps me reach people who would otherwise be very difficult to reach. Thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.